I mean, are you a Campbell's or a Progresso guy? I'm not really a soup person, to be honest with you. Not much for soup. Big soup guy. I'll do soup rarely, and if I do, it's like soup from either a restaurant or soup from like Costco, the big tomato bisque in a plastic container or whatever. But like the canned soup, it's been years, I think, since I've had it. Mm. It's all I ate in college. I'd get the chunky chicken corn chowder soup, and that would be my lunch every single day. Chowder. <laughs> chicken corn chowder. Chowder. Was that as cheap as ramen? Was that like the same price range as, as ramen? No chance. No chance. No. Ramen, ramen is like 10 cents a pack. So you're you're in a bougier discount meal zone. Oh, you know, I didn't know that ramen was meant to be eaten as a soup. You just ate it? Dry? Yeah, I did it too. And it, when I was a kid, I would eat it dry. Well, I wouldn't make it dry. I'd make, I cook it, but then I would drain it, and then I'd eat the oh, ramen and put the pack, okay. the seasoning on it. So I, it's like noodles for me. Oh, interesting. So I, when I was a kid, we, I loved ramen soup, the little chicken packet, and so the biscuit, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> but it, you didn't have the way to make the soup in at school. So what I would do is I would just bring. <laughs> Bring the raw noodles. It would come like almost like two patties of it stuck together. Like a double down, but of ramen. <laughs> it was like two bread pieces almost stuck together, but it was ramen noodles. And I would rip them apart ever so slightly so it wouldn't be all the shrapnel of ramen everywhere, you know? And then I would sprinkle the little chicken dust on top, the chicken flavoring dust, and I would eat it just like that. So you didn't have a hot plate or a microwave. Yeah, come on. This is in high school, right? Or, or are you talking about college? No, this is this is like middle school oh, or maybe yeah, maybe yeah. high school. Whenever you started to bring, well, no, I brought in my own lunch. I didn't in middle school. I don't think I ate like school lunch. I think I brought my own lunch. So your parents were facilitating this, is what you're saying? They were giving you dry ramen for lunch. <laughs> your kid loved it. Hey, man, to make their kid happy, I wanted dry ramen lunch. They probably, who knows what kind of chemicals are not burned off in the boiling process that are existing in my body right now because I ate raw ramen. But man, it was delicious. When I really wanted to up the ante, I would boil a hot dog and then cut up the hot dog and throw it and mix it in with the noodles. And so it'd be like ramen and hot dog. But that was like, boys, we had a good week. <laughs> <laughs> You're having meatballs with your spaghetti now. Yeah, pretty much. Hot dog and ramen without the soup. It's just going to be meatballs and spaghetti. The brokest days of my life was hot dogs and ramen and tuna. Cans of tuna. Canned tuna. Yep. Eating straight out the can. Open it. Pork. <laughs> like a cat. Oh, so no no mustard, no mayo, nothing? Oh, no. Condiments? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to like McDonald's and being like, uh, yeah, can I no. have just... Um, oh, oh yeah, that, let me get yeah. that like two two apple pies for a dollar. And then can I get 18 mayo packets? Because I got to make some canned tuna at home. They're looking at you like, you want mayo with your... Do you have mayo? I don't think they have mayo at McDonald's, but definitely definitely was grabbing like a hundred ketchup packets. This was back when the packets were just out there. You didn't have pumps. They just had like ketchup packets next to the napkins. Grab a stack of napkins, a bunch of ketchup packets, and you're good. I just had the talk with my daughter about uh, she got COVID tested yesterday because we got family coming into town, and it's a PCR test. So we're waiting about 24 hours to get the answers, and she's like, "Wait, I already got the COVID test." And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but we're waiting on the results. 
and she's like, well, what, what happens? And I'm like, oh, well, if you're positive for COVID, like grandma and granddad aren't coming, grand and pa are not coming, or they're going to have to. Wow. Way to put the stakes on her like that. <laughs> and then I realized halfway through what I'm saying, I'm like, oh man, she's going to feel really bad about this. And then I was like trying to walk it back a little bit. So it wasn't going to be on her. And she's like, but if I'm positive, what if I'm not sick? And I'm like, oh no, now do oh. I have to explain asymptomatic? Your child is LeBron James. How about that? <laughs> Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. That's me Hassan. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. That's me Al Hassan. So now, like, if you're not sick, but you have this, this, this bug in you. And she could not, she could not get over the fact that, like, if she's not sick, why can't Grant and Pop come over? And here is our segue into the NBA, which is on fire right now with COVID. Um, over a hundred players are in health and safety protocols currently, and that will change. As soon as I said that, I'm sure there's been five players that have been added to the list, and three have been taken off. As of this recording, there are 13 Atlanta. 13 Atlanta Hawks that are in COVID protocols. Okay. There's only 15 players on an initial roster. The opening roster in the NBA is 15 players and 13 players currently on the Atlanta Hawks roster are in health and safety protocols. Nate McMillan, let's say of your NBA coaches, the most reserved just like outspokenness, right? I mean, where would you put Nate McMillan in terms of like the most? Yeah. He's not a guy that, that really, you know, speaks up a, a whole lot you know you know what you you go on you know i'm gonna look up i'm gonna look up the number of times nate mcmillan has been fined that should be a pretty good indicator right there so nate mcmillan was asked today um by chris vivlamore of the uh of uh, the atlanta jones J- jones Co- constitution the atlanta journal constitution the ajc no, 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 it's I was, called the ajc <laughs> i was looking at I was trying to see my list of uh, teams that don't have COVID at this point, and there are only two of them, and I was just making sure that I counted right. Um, Journal Constitution, AJC. Nate McMillan, when I asked again if NBA should pause, Nate McMillan said, of course I think that way, but it's not up to me. The league is trying to keep this season going. Of course, it's really frustrating for us and a lot of other teams. So Nate McMillan... Has he been fined for speaking out? Okay, so so first things first, Tom. Let's play this game. The over-under on fines Nate McMillan has had as a head coach for comments. Oh, I like that. It's the caveat as a head coach. Yes, as a head coach, because that's, that's what I pulled up. Well, all right. Let's put the over-under at uh, $15,000. I mean, fifteen is like the basic ass fine, right? So you're asking, has he ever been fined even one? That's where I would put the over under. Okay, so so let me let me just you know to make this interesting. He's definitely been fined before. It's not a lot, but he's been fined. He's been fined. Should I tell you how many times he's been fined? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so he's been fined seven times now, dating back to 2002 when he was the Sonics head coach. So we're talking about 20 years. Okay, so seven times. <laughs> Usually somewhere in between 10, 15, 20, 25 racks every time you uh, 
uh, get fined. I'm going to say a total of all right, over under. I'm going to put the over under at 100 100k. I'm going to put the over under at 100k. And I will take the under on 100k. Oh, sorry. Nate McMillan fined seven times for a total of $125,000. Now, six of those fines were for publicly criticizing referees, comments about referees after the game, verbally abusing refs and failing to leave court in a timely manner, criticizing refs, post-game comments, criticizing officiating, public criticism of officiating, right? Those are six of those fines. And again, that's over the span from 2002 to 2016. He's been fined once as the head coach of the, the Hawks in May of last year, twenty-five grand by for comments to the media claiming bias by the NBA regarding the 2020-2021 playoffs. I'm kind of intrigued. What the hell did he say on in May of 2021? Oh, this was um this was with the Knicks, the Knicks series. He had said something like, Of course the NBA wants um oh, what was it? Here we go. I got it here. Yeah, it was something to do with like the NBA wants games in New York or something like that. McMillan making comments to the media saying the league wants and needs New York in the playoffs. McMillan's full comments were, I've gone as far as saying the league wants this. They need this. New York, you know, this is a big market. It's a big market for the league. And New York has been out of the playoffs for a number of years. And this is a team that our league, they want to see. There's a huge fan base. They want to see New York in the playoffs. They want to see the Lakers, the Celtics, teams like that. They want to see those teams in the playoffs, and I put New York in that category. The league wants to see it. Everybody wants to see it. Even to the fact that our game was moved to Sunday. They want to see this. So, yes, we've talked about it. We've talked about the advantages of the situation and some things we're going to have to face going into the game with kind of everyone picking New York to win. And a lot of folks wanted to see New York in the playoffs. It's a battle. It's a challenge that just being New York, all that comes with playing in New York, they've had a really good season. So I think the NBA is excited about them being back in the playoffs. Wow. I think he kind of like halfway through it, he realized I'm about to get fined for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the NBA is uh, excited to have the playoffs back in New York. Yes, yes. Not that they want them, but that they're excited. Yes. But Nate McMillan comes out and says the league should pause. The league should shut down. What's interesting about this is that Trey Young was the only one, as far as I remember, the only one on Christmas Day in the Christmas Day game that had – been placed in health and safety protocol. So they didn't even get the Trey Young versus New York in that game, except, you know, later in the game, they did the chant, which is really funny um, in Madison Square Garden. But then things just kind of spiraled from there. And when I talk to people on the team side, they're all like, we should have expected this. The NBA, it's a billion dollar day in the NBA. January 20th, I mean, uh, December 25th, Christmas Day games, billion dollar day. The league decided they are not going to test players daily until December 26th. Once we get through Christmas Day games, I mean, we're going to start ramping up the testing. So so I was asked by some, I can't remember what, what show I was on. Someone asked me, oh, it wasn't a show. This was actually, uh, this is a coach. A coach asked me, what do you think is going to happen? I said, I think they're gonna, we're going to have a shutdown in January. And he said, when exactly? And I said, here's the deal. It couldn't happen now because of Christmas Day. They want to get to Christmas Day. But it can't happen too late in January because they don't want to lose out MLK Day. So it's going to happen, I believe. I think the, the exact date I picked, and this is 
Now, this is just my opinion. Now, I haven't talked to anybody. Now, I don't know anything. Now, this is just what I think. But given that MLK Day is the 17th, I'm thinking early to mid next week, we get a, we get a, sh- a shutdown. Three, four, five. The Raptors have eight players in COVID protocols. Celtics have nine. Hawks have 13. Remember, there's only, on the open day roster, there's only 15 players. Well, 17. You have two two-way players and the 15 full-time or whatever you want to call them. It's not the NFL where there's dozens and dozens of team players on a roster. This is like the majority of the roster in typical years would be out, would be sidelined. But the NBA opened up. The- yeah, no, I, w- I would say that the biggest indicator of this is we had 10-day contracts being signed prior to January. Like that's never – to the point where I actually texted somebody, the first time someone signed a 10-day – like in November, I texted, I texted one of my guys who's a cap guy, and I said, "Is is this a typo by the team account saying this? This can't sign ten days." He's like, "No, it's a hardship ten day." Yep, and I didn't even know hardship ten days existed. To be honest with you, I knew I knew the hardship exception existed. Like, guy gets hurt, and and you sign a guy, but when the guy comes back, you either have to make a roster spot for the new guy, or you got to let him go. But I'd never heard of a hardship 10-day, to be honest with you. Yeah, so there have been over 70 hardship 10-day contracts in the league. 70. We've already hit the record number of players who played in an NBA season, and we're not even in January yet. Over 500 players have played in the league. I mean, look at this. Ready? Mm -hmm. Here's a list of players that have played in the league in the last – or have been signed to these 10 days. I can't say that I would be able to say if they're a cartoon character or if they're an NBA player. Yeah. yeah. Ready? Cat Barber. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I know him. He played at Auburn, I want to believe. I remember yeah. him. Yep, Cat Barber. Freddie Gillespie. Freddie Gillespie sounds familiar. Baylor? I don't know. Cameron okay, McGriff. Right. Never heard of him. Shaq Buchanan. Not Shaq Harrison. N- nope, never heard of him. Shaq, Shaq Harrison also a 10-day contract. Shaq Harrison, yes. Yeah, Shaq Harrison, yes. In the last like 24 <laughs> hours, we dog. have gotten a Xavier Sneed, a Xavier Moon, and a Xavier Simpson. Three different Xaviers have been signed in the past 36 mm. hours by NBA teams. That's fil- filthy because triple X, I don't know any of them. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is Xavier Henry. By the way, the no, Xavier yeah. Simpson, who the Thunder just signed today to a 10-day contract, actually spells it with a Z. I don't know what sometimes it's Xavier Moon or Xavier See, or that, Xavier. That's, that's that's how you know I've never heard of him. I just assumed it was with an X. And it turns out it's the Z. So. <laughs> so I guess my question to you, I mean, is um, what would be the barometer, do you think, the NBA right now for them to pause? Well, the idea there's there's a couple of things. One is, and this is a little cynical, right? One is they need to get through Christmas, and they didn't want to call off Christmas games. And for the most part, yes, we were missing Trey Young, and yes, we were missing Kevin Durant. But for the most part, the stars all showed up, and Luca, right? Those are the three big missing ones. But Donovan played, Steph Curry played, Chris Paul played, Devin Booker played, Giannis played, Giannis. Jason Tatum played, Jalen Brown played, Julius Randle played. We got most of the stars. And other than the Nick game, we got four out of five entertaining games that were close and had, you know, meaningful stakes towards the end of the game. So 
if you're the league, you're saying mission accomplished. That's what we wanted. Now, the question becomes, do you shut this down and get everything under control? Or do you plow through hoping that at this rate, most, if not everybody in the NBA will have caught it and now they won't recatch it unless you're someone like Jason Tatum or one of these guys that, that caught it too early, you know, last season who they, they can have a, 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 you know, another, another bout of it. But like at this stage, it's like, it's like chicken pox, man. Let it go. I got off the phone with a GM who said it really seems like all these teams were just going to let get uh, herd immunity. Sorry get uh herd immunity at this point is that the league is basically saying we're going to keep these games going and if there are fewer than eight players ready to suit up and play in these games i'm going to shut that game down but go out and get these 10 days go out these get out get these 10 days and get them in uniform and play right what's interesting to me also is these 10-day hardship exemptions i'm hearing about it and then like lance stevenson is playing later that night or Greg Monroe signed and then playing that night. Some guys are starting. And when I've heard, like, I originally thought, hey, if you're getting brought into the NBA, quote unquote, bubble, right? They're bringing guys in from, not off the street, but bringing guys in from the G League. Or they're sitting around their apartment trying to, you know, Darren Collison, for example, or Greg Monroe, Lance Stevenson. What kind of protocols are they going in before they have to play in these games? And one person in the league said, oh, if they're vaccine and boosted, they get to play. That like, it, There's no negative tests or... Sans testing or, or sans five days of testing? No, no five days testing. As long as you're vaccinated and boosted, come on in. Let's go. And that's how a lot of these teams are signing like five, six, seven guys and they're playing like right away. Let me ask you this, because you you were on the radio with me on Sunday and you brought up a uh, very interesting concept from the NFL that they've started testing the viral load. Can you explain that to the listener? So imagine a thermometer that would tell you your viral load of how much virus is in your system, active viruses in your system. And the NFL 11 days ago, 12 days ago, started using this test to determine whether you were infectious or not. And it's called a cycle threshold, CT test. And if you're above 35, that means you're good to go. If you're below 35 in this reading, you still are infectious. And so right, regardless of whether you're testing positive or negative, now it's, hey, where's your CT level at? It's shades of gray because before it was black and white. Positive, negative, binary, one, zero. Now it's like, Point three, point two. Now we can we're, we're a little bit more discerning, and I believe kind of like you can, with greater discerning, you can play the play the odds a little bit more. Now let me ask you this: Does the viral load typically correspond with the appearance of symptoms? Meaning, does someone who has like a viral load of point one? No chance that they're probably not showing symptoms or is there a chance like you could be low viral load and still symptomatic or high viral load and still asymptomatic? That's a good question. I mean, let's check in with our resident medical WebMD. E- resident medical expert, Rick Carlisle. 
who was asked by my guy Casey Johnson at KCJ Hoop last night asked Pacers coach Rick Carlisle, who landed in the protocols and whose wife is an infectious disease doctor, about the possibility that he is now the possibility that is now an NBA reality, shortened quarantine time if certain standards are met. Here's what Carlisle said. This is a virus and situation that it's constantly changing. The science has to back up the rule changes. There are too many situations where the symptoms are different. If you go through this for a 10-day period and you learn about cycle counts, you learn that all that stuff is all over a place. A high cycle count is eventually what you want to have so you can leave protocols. This is what I'm talking about, above 35, right? He goes on. What I learned is that the cycle counts have little to do with how you're feeling, Amin. Is the cycle count like the viral load or is it something different? Yes, the cycle count is the viral load. Okay. So if you are feeling really sick, what this is saying is even if you are symptomatic, you got a headache, you got runny nose, you got a sore throat, but your viral load checks in at a 50, it might mean that you're not infectious anymore. Now, this is what Rick Carlisle is saying. What I learned is that the cycle counts have little to do with how you're feeling. They're just a measure of how infectious you are based upon the research. I think we've got all, we've all got to be very attentive to what the protocols are. There's a reason they are what they are. Now, Rick Carlisle is saying this, and from the NFL medical doctor, chief medical officer at the NFL, similar thing. The NBA just implemented this CT test. And like my question is, if you're registering a 34 or a 36, is there some magical number about 35? Or are they just like putting a pin in something right. and saying, ah, we're just, you know, 35 sounds good. How do you draw the line, right? How, where's the line? Where's the border? Where do, where's the differentiator? Uh, it's like the Miami Heat body fat percentage test, right? Like, yeah, It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. James Johnson famously failed it. And most people thought like, oh, he was like fat like Harden. And like, no, the guy's ripped. It's just like he was... 0.01 over whatever their their limit for him was and so as a result he's out yeah i mean like th- that's the thing you gotta pick a spot and you've got to draw a hard and hard and fast line in the sand like yo this is it man because otherwise it's meaningless if you say well he's a 36 that's close enough get him in there it becomes a slippery slope the only way you stop it from being a slippery slope is if you make it a cliff and the cliff has to end somewhere the CT threshold test now, I guess, is being implemented for return to play. We're seeing Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and LaMarcus Aldridge are back after uh, LaMarcus was out for 14 days. KD was out for 10 days. And Kyrie Irving apparently is back out of the health and safety protocols. But Steve Nash says he's got to ramp up, right, conditioning-wise. Yeah. Um, and I believe they're home. They're on a homestand here, so he's not even going to be eligible to play from the city guidelines. So there's that. Mm-hmm. There's the other thing that, um, which is interesting. One person in the league I talked to said, for their 10-day hardships, they're looking at local players. They're looking at players that don't have to get on a commercial flight right. to join their team. If you are within yeah. a drive of the home team, it's going to make a, things a lot easier for you to be on our roster, to be signed. Because with this Omicron virus... They're a little concerned about players hopping on a plane, potentially getting exposed to a virus that right. might be more transmissible. Who knows if mm-hmm. it's transmissible via airplane, but you're just – they're point of contacts here that you're exposed on that trip from your house to an Uber, to the plane, to the air, right. touchdown in the airport to get back into the team, that they're not comfortable signing a player that has all those exposures. If you can get in your car, get to our practice facility, you are much more likely – to be signed by the team. 
And I just, I, I found that fascinating is that like, if you're in a big market, I feel like you're a lot easier to find players. Like if you're in LA, it's easier to sign players than if you are in say Salt Lake. Right. Right. So here's the thing. It also further dilutes kind of like, it's going to sound fucked up, but like what it means to play in the NBA this season, because that's clearly we're putting at, we're putting ahead of, of like, who's the best person for the job to like, yo, who's healthy? Like who's just, who's around and, and doesn't have to get on a plane. Who's around. It makes sense now. Like some of these names, it's like, I haven't even heard of them. Not through college basketball, not through the G League. They're just names. Many of these guys are just names and bodies. And we're just we're just trying to like patch uh patch our way through. Well, there's also the the they take care of their own. So there might be teams who pull guys from their G League team just because, hey man, we want to take care of our guys. Like, thank you for being part of our G League team and we'll we'll pull we feel comfortable pulling you from the team. Not because they're the best players available, but because they're our guys. Um, the other thing that's interesting to me is, I mean, you're an NBA team, okay? I am. You're you're running an NBA team. You're Rob Palenka. Okay. Are you kind of like, I don't know, okay with this running through your team now versus later, like during the playoffs? Well, maybe not Rob Palenka because they're they're in dire straits. But if you're Golden State or Phoenix, for instance, I kind of feel like, man, like. Get it out of the way now. Well, maybe not now, right? We want to. You would time it to be All Star break is what you would do. You want them to catch it in around early February, so that like a lot of your your downtime will be eaten up by the All Star break. You don't give a shit if your guys don't play in All Star break, and then that ensures you're going to have some version of super antibody action going through at least the NBA Finals, right? You do it too soon. And then, like, you got guys who are getting sick during the finals. You do it too late, and it happens during the stretch run. But you time it just right for early February. It's the sweet spot of, like, and this will cover you for the rest of the year. This is crazy we're talking about this. that The NBA title could be dictated by, hey, the timing of when this outbreak runs through your team. And, but I mean, that's been true for since the pandemic started, but it's just yeah. even more so now because what I've heard is, uh, let's say you're, resi- you're hesitant about taking the booster. If you're an NBA player and you're hesitant about getting your booster, but there's this asymptomatic or largely asymptomatic uh, anecdotal evidence that like if you get this variant of the virus, you're going to be okay. You're not going to get as sick as maybe the, the original variant or Delta. Anecdotal evidence. Right. Again, I'm just saying from the research that's coming out there, the yes. hospitalizations aren't – the percentages of hospitalizations aren't what it was previous for. So anecdotally, if you're an NBA player and you're like, ah, I don't feel – I already got my my two doses or my J&J. I'm not really, I'm not really feeling this booster. Maybe I just like catch this Omicron and then I get my immunity naturally, quote unquote, and I don't have to get a jab. And there is that in the league now, which is like, if this is going to run through the, the, the league, if I'm going to be exposed to this or if I'm going to get it, it's ex- extremely trans- uh, contagious. I don't have to get a shot. I just get this and I get natural immunity. So let me ask you this. I read somewhere that the majority of the breakthrough cases in the NBA have been guys who got the J&J. Yeah, that the, the actual breakthrough rate is higher for the J&J. Not just higher, like significantly higher. 
than the Moderna or the Pfizer's. And from what the league is putting out there, I guess leaking to reporters is that the uh, the data is showing that you will test out earlier of health and safety protocols if you have been boosted. So like it's more incentive. Hey, hey, your return to play is going to be quicker if you're boosted. The data is showing us. What's also interesting about this, I mean, is that the CDC came out like 20 minutes later, within the same hour, they had changed or updated their protocols of the NBA. And what's interesting to me is that the NBA's protocols have usually followed the CDC's guidelines. Adam Silver and the league have been in lockstep saying we are observing and following the CDC and the local governments. They've said that ad nauseum. This time, they came out with updated protocols of six days uh, if you've been fully vaccinated, asymptomatic return to play protocol. The CDC's out here saying five days and you don't even have to produce a negative test to get back into the workforce. So it's it's clear that like the NBA either did not know the CDC was going to come out because otherwise they would have had the same protocols or they're just being like a little bit more like, yo, the CDC might be saying this, but we're going to go to six days. It's the latter. I think it's the latter. The NBA typically always has like a higher threshold for things uh, than regular law or society, right? Like, for instance, I live in Arizona. Marijuana is completely legal recreationally. That doesn't mean Chris Paul can go pop an edible and show up to work, right? Or at least he can now you know, because he suspended the marijuana testing uh, for the time being. But, like, point being, is the NBA has always traditionally had a higher threshold, much like if guys get into a domestic violence issue but don't end up getting charged, like you can still be suspended for conduct detrimental and things like that. You can still be disciplined for things even if you weren't disciplined legally. So like there's always been kind of like a higher threshold. You know, the law is always kind of like the bare minimum if you think about it, right? the bare minimum right in, in in real life you can't be arrested for sleeping with someone right like oh, i had sex consensual sex with another adult uh that's not i'm not gonna throw you in jail for that but at your job if you sleep with your boss you might get fired so they're always going to be like uh, the the law is always going to be the bare minimum, dude. You can't do this because now we're talking about legalities. But that doesn't mean that's the standard for every workplace. And, and the NBA is, is no different in that regard. Hey, Maze. Yo. You like betting on sports? I love to bet on sports. I'm addicted to it. How'd you get into that? Well, I have all this information in my brain, and I just feel like I need to use it. <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. I don't have information in my brain when it comes to sports betting, but I do now, ever since I started listening to BetQL Daily. I mean, same note too, bro. That's where I get all my information from. No way, bro. Oh my God, it's so fun listening to Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giulio, and Aaron Hawksworth serve up wagertainment. You like that? I just made it up myself. The sports talk you love with betting insights you need each weekday. Find out where the market is moving across all of the week's biggest sporting events. And if you miss out on the earlier games, guess what? BetQL Daily has you covered there too with recaps from some of the biggest moments 
in recent sports. If you're not sure where to start with sports betting, start with BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel. Listen weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I look at this situation and I say, man, is the NFL just leading the COVID policy movement in the United States? Like, is America following the NFL here? The CDC came came out and said they're lowering the the return to return to work, return to from isolation from ten days to five days. The NBA does it right after the NFL does it or within two weeks. And I remember the NFL came out with their vaccine mandate in July, late July. It was a soft mandate. So they didn't say, hey, you got to get vaccinated or else you're not going to be able to play. It's if you're not vaccinated and your team has an outbreak and you have to forfeit the game where there's no game where the game is canceled because of your outbreak, not only are you going to catch the L, but no one on either team is going to get paid. Oh, wow. And furthermore, the team that had the outbreak among its unvaccinated players is going to have to cover the financial losses of that forfeited game. With the other team? Or, or, or what financial losses are we talking about? Like the lost TV revenue? Yeah. That the the team... Yeah, that's the team that insane. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> right, the NFL is basically like we're not going to make you. We're not going to make. How did? How many people? Yo, they had to put that up for a vote, right? The thirty-two owners were like, or I guess twenty-eight or however many owners were like, yeah, that sounds about right. Hell no, man. How do we basically pressure the players to get vaccinated without mandating it? And so they had this ba- these basically protocols put in place that said. Yo, if you guys aren't going to get vaccinated, you're not going to get paid. And there's this whole other financial thing that's going to come out. And so the owners are going to basically be all over you to get vaccinated. So the players get vaccinated. The NFL comes out with this vaccine mandate. Within two weeks of the NFL putting out the mandate, here are the corporations that followed with vaccine memos, vaccine mandate memos after the NFL did. Google, New York Times, Uber. Microsoft, Walgreens, United Airlines, NBC Universal. I remember when the NFL put out these guidelines and I was like, yo, they're actually like making people get vaccines or having vaccine quote unquote mandates. I didn't know if you could do that. Well, they, they did. Oh, actually, it's, not of, manda- it's not a mandate. It's not. The, it's, a guy, it's, a, it's, it's not a mandate. A, it's a soft mandate. Yeah, or like it's, a, it's, it's, it's what would you call it? Like, it's not, it's a, because the NBA has a soft salary cap. It's a similar thing. It's yeah. not a salary cap because yeah. you can go over. You can't, the NBA is saying, yeah. go ahead, go, you don't have to get vaccinated, but here's what's going to happen. The guillotine is coming out. You're free to do, like, like basically, say, hey man, you're free to do whatever. But if you fuck this shit up, like, that's, that's, that's basically, they put, they put uh, ramifications to the downside, right? Yeah. So they made it so onerous on the teams and the players that basically it's a de facto mandate, right? So the NFL does this and then the NBA doesn't come out with like a vaccine mandate, but they basically put it on to the city. So it's like, hey man, Kyrie, sorry, buddy. We're not we're not telling you you have to get vaccinated, but look, you're not gonna be able to play in, in Brooklyn. And oh Wiggins, sorry, buddy. Sorry. I guess that's I'm speaking from like an NBA standpoint. Like owners would never vote for something that that really benefits them as a whole, 
because everyone always in the NBA always thinks, what about me? What if it happens to me? You know, it's the reason why Donald Sterling was in charge for as long as he was, right? Because even though everyone recognized he was bad for business, no one wanted to open the door of, we can get rid of you because we don't like you, right? And and it's why, you know, Robert Sarver in Phoenix, you know, when people say, oh, you think they're going to make him sell the team? I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> like you think you think the NBA NBA owners want to create a scenario where we can make people get rid of a team because they're assholes that nobody likes? Like that's that's then that's all of them. So even though it would benefit the the whole to get rid of these cancerous elements, it's like everyone always thinks the first thing is saying, "What if I'm cancer?" <laughs> so. I'm also thinking about this other story that's related to these COVID protocols is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote on his Substack, uh, calling out LeBron James for his meme that he posted, basically the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other saying uh, flu, COVID, and cold. And LeBron in the caption said uh, something to the effect of like, help me out here or help me understand this. Help me out, folks, was LeBron's caption. And Kareem comes out with his substack that said, LeBron James is not only one of the greatest basketball players ever, he's committed to being a leader in the African-American community in the fight against inequality. But his Thursday Instagram meme showing three cartoon Spider-Man pointing at each other, one label COVID, one label flu, and one label cold, with this message, help me out, folks, was a blow to his worthy legacy. The meme's implication is that LeBron doesn't understand the difference among those three illnesses, even after all the information that's been presented in the press. Well, since he asked, let me help him out by explaining the difference and how knowing the difference might save lives, especially in the black community. And then he goes and lists, Kareem does, brings the research, brings the facts about vaccine rates amongst white people, black and Latino community, uh, the death rates, uh, vaccine hesitancy, all this, and essentially saying, LeBron, by making a joke out of COVID, you're essentially telling people in the black community, hey, don't get vaccine. You're good. Like, this is just going to be a cold. You're good. Don't, you don't have to get a vaccine. And he's saying that's sending the wrong message. And I'm wondering, I mean, your thoughts on Kareem calling out LeBron here. I feel bad for LeBron because it's kind of like the whole, you know, LeBron James doesn't know what it's like to go. Well, I mean, he probably doesn't know what it's like to go to a movie theater. Maybe that's a bad example. But or like to go to like a Walgreens or a Walmart or a Target. You say, what do you mean? Well, it's like, think about it. He can never do those things again or not for quite a while. The price of fame is that you're not going to be a regular citizen anymore. Exactly. Like you get all this money and influence and get to make movies. The downside is like you don't get to do normal things. I remember when the Britney Spears documentary came out on, on Hulu last year or whatever. And uh, they were talking about Britney, like having these repeated meltdowns because she tried to go to like Starbucks. And I was like, I can't believe no one told her like, yo, them days is over, baby. You can't you can't go to Starbucks. You like, you get Starbucks delivered. You get to go so, get someone get you Starbucks. You could be in the car, have someone get out, go into Starbucks, the car drive around the block, come back and the person get in with the Starbucks. But the idea of you getting your own Starbucks is over finito. You can't do that anymore. You can't go get your deodorant at CVS anymore. 
Yeah. And, and you know, I, I get it. People are like, oh, my God, I, I would do anything to have that money and power, whatever. But it's oh, like poor LeBron, poor Britney. Yeah. Yeah. When you strip away some of like the basic human elements of life, like that shit can be kind of like it can fuck with you. Right. It fucks with your head because part of you is like, come on, man. Like, no, no. And and extends obviously to your children as well. Like that's what the reason why Michael Jackson like had a child named Blanket because they put a blanket over him all the time. Because like you can't be Michael Jackson's kid and be out there at the time because you would never have a normal life. And some would argue they still didn't have a normal life. Now, I say all this to say that LeBron, I thought it was a joke. Like, I don't think he's seriously asking, like, oh, what's the difference? There is no difference. Whatever. It's a meme. It's a meme. It's a meme. Like, it's obviously a joke. He's trying to be funny. The problem is I've seen so many people leap on it as like Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the tablets. And that's the problem. If you're LeBron, you can't even make a joke like that because there's no shortage of morons who take that as gospel. I know because I done seen it. I seen how many people re-shared it with the, yeah, you tell them LeBron. Da, da, hey, da. here's the sampling. Jamie Foxx chimes in, got a point, haha. <laughs> Miles Bridges, you did the emojis, the same emoji that LeBron did. Like, I don't know. Trey Young, 100. 100 or 100? Am I allowed to say 100? <laughs> 100 emoji. And 100 emoji. La fax, la doctor, la scientist, la conspiracy theory, la couldn't agree more. These comments are piling up. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are like, yep. Thank you, LeBron, for saying it. And by the way, he may not have been joking. Because it's not like LeBron's a stranger to delivering his very real opinions and thoughts via social media in cryptic ways. So there is an element of like, man, like, because I'm a guy who likes a good joke. But, you know, I I, I think part of the context is LeBron and his past comments. Make it so that even if he is joking, he doesn't really have the credibility to joke like that, right? As opposed to Carl Anthony Towns did that, and that's an extreme example. But if he did that, I think we'd more, way more likely accept, oh, he's just kidding, versus LeBron, because LeBron's already put chum in the water that, like, ah, I'm not really certain about all this. And, you know, I wish Ethan were here because I'm sure there's another conversation to be had about how much of this is LeBron's actual belief about the subject versus pandering to an audience, right? Like he's pandering to an audience that is, you know, uh, also believes, you know, like these vaccines are like the Tuskegee experiment or whatever. And so it's like, oh, you know, like he's playing to the base, so to speak. There's a lot of stuff happening here. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, man, you, you don't get to make that joke. You don't get to make that joke. And... If you, in fact, you were joking, I kind of feel like a little of this is a whataboutism about his, about Kareem. Like Kareem, Kareem's coming out here and saying, "Hey, if you want to be a leader in the African community and the fight against inequality and police brutality, you got to be also about this." This because it it disproportionately impacts black people more than any other ethnic group. And my question is, 
because LeBron James speaks out about one thing, does he now have to speak about all of the things that affect the black community to just disproportionately? Yes. Like this, this, I mean, this is a killer, right? Like this, that's the problem, right? It's not talking about like, what about global warming? That impacts the black community, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it does. But like, this is a very direct killer where we've got over a million lives lost uh, over the last, you know, I guess 18, 19 months or whatever, almost a half million in 2021 alone. CDC reports and now CDC is is kind of a punching bag with this new thing. One study in Atlanta showed 79% of blacks with COVID were hospitalized versus 13% of whites. COVID has resulted in a drop in life expectancy, expectancy among white people in 1.2 years. Among the black and Latinx communities, it was more than three years. Like this isn't some big existential crisis. This is something that is very, you know, specific. As of last December, 97.9 out of every 100,000 African Americans had died from COVID-19 versus 64.7 for Latinx, 46.6 for white people, 40.4 for Asians. So this isn't like, hey, I didn't hear you talk about what's happening in China. This is, you know, this is very specifically impacting black people on a level that it's not impacting anybody else in this country. And I think in that, I remember reading the, the Kareem's Substack and thinking to myself, you know, when people look to athletes for guidance on these types of issues, like, Kareem is the kind of person, like, because this is a dude who actually does his research and reads a lot and is, like, a real intellectual versus LeBron, who, like, I'm not saying that his, his shit is vapid. I'm just saying, like, I'm pretty sure he hasn't done the amount of reading and research, real research, not watching YouTube videos and not talking with your like-minded friends, but real, actual, peer-reviewed research that Kareem does. Uh, there are many people I don't think in, in general society who I would say do it to the level that Kareem does. And so there is a level of like, dude, you want this mantle, a mantle that I held and, you know, Muhammad Ali held and, and, and Bill Russell held and all these people. Like, it comes with a, a standard. And one of those things, like Kareem was, remember, like nobody thought of Kareem as a funny guy. Mm. Kareem was gruff very and Kareem serious. was like the yeah. guy who, very serious and never played and uh, like never played around never joked around and stuff which is what made his appearance in Airplane, Airplane. so funny right like because yes. he's he's a serious dude so it's like Kareem is on some of them saying like look man we all had to do this shit man where we gave up the ability to, to make you don't think I could have made jokes about like racial inequality in the 60s or Bill Russell but like you, you, you kind of you you put that aside on some level because you realize my words can be construed as something else, can be twisted for other purposes. Yeah. And I think that's the, the tough thing here for LeBron is like, man, I can't even get these jokes off where it's gotta keep saying if it in fact is a joke. I thought it was a joke, but I I'm not sure. He may he might be serious. Well, I think also, the data that Kareem, and this is such a fine line here, but like the data that Kareem is citing is about previous variants. Yes. 
this is more deadly in these communities compared to dif- different uh, racial demographics or anything like that. It's all about past variants. And I think LeBron's meme six months ago, a year ago, he's not posting that. I think LeBron, when he's posting this, is a very specific like – This is Omicron related. I have seen this this Omicron thing run through the NBA and I've been texting people. I've been uh, – I've seen it with my own team. It's indistinguishable, the symptoms of COVID, between COVID and cold and flu. I think that's what LeBron is saying. But still the message and how that gets telephoned to the community and to the public and to the population is what Kareem is saying. Like, I think what Kareem is saying is, look, man, like you might be right that like the symptoms that you're seeing with this variant of of Omicron coronavirus – it might be difficult to tell which one is the flu, which one is the cold. We can't be putting that out there. We can't be putting that, that out there when this seems to be killing people in our communities at a higher rate. And they look to you as like, how many people are going to be going back to their to their dinner table that night and saying, hey, did you see what LeBron said? Like, he's right. Like, I, I my buddy got, got COVID and he was fine. Yeah. And LeBron's out here endorsing that kind of and, – and, and it's a joke, but I think what people – people see what they want to see, right? People hear what they want to hear. And even if LeBron is joking, I think people will look at, hey, LeBron James is very reputable, intellectual person on on you know social civ- civil issues. He cares, yeah. He cares about LeBron his community cares. and he's out – even he's out here saying like, I don't know what the difference is between these these different illnesses. Like COVID ain't that bad. And so I think I think Kareem knows that the public is going to take LeBron's words as gospel. And LeBron, as you said, heavy lies the crown is like can't be doing that anymore. Like you've we've lost the ability for you to post that meme on your social media account because of the kind of blowback it might get, right? Or the kind of serious ramifications it has on communities that will take your NBA player opinion about the the science or the the the, the disease and saying, hey, I'm going to trust LeBron here on this. This ain't that bad. Right. And by the way, many of those people also are unvaccinated. That's the other side of that, right? Again, you see what you want to see, right? Like LeBron, I'm not going to follow you on Black Lives Matter, but if LeBron comes out here and says like this Omicron stuff is the cold, it's co-opting their stance. Yeah, but we're not even talking about the people who are like I won't even fo- I won't follow you on Black Lives Matter, but I'll follow you on this. We're talking about like Kareem's talking about black people, black people who represent the highest unvaccinated yes proportion, right? That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about anti-vaxxers. No, yeah, he's talking about people who follow LeBron through everything, but also they also happen to be the highest number percentage per their the ethnic group to be unvaccinated. So there's a bigger likelihood that the person saying, yeah, LeBron, is also extremely vulnerable. And that's the, that's the issue here, I think. I love it. The, uh, he, he did the Stephen A a little bit. Did you notice that? Did the Stephen A? How? <laughs> In the opening lines of the piece. Let's finish this out with an Amin impression. Here's Stephen A channeling Kareem's message here. LeBron James is not only one of the greatest basketball players, he's committed to being a leader in the African-American community in the fight against inequality. 
But it's Thursday Instagram memes showing three cartoons Spider-Man pointing at each other. One labeled COVID, one labeled blue, one labeled gold. With his message, help me out, folks, was a blow to his worthy legacy. Let me do the Skip Bayless. <sighs> LeBron James is not only one of the greatest basketball players ever, he's been committed to being a leader in the African-American community in the fight against inequality. But then on Friday, <laughs> I believe, now just like, I believe that LeBron James is not, he's got to say, I believe. But then Thursday, and this is a blow, a haymaker to his legacy. <laughs> yeah, haymaker. To That's what he would go, right? Yeah, that's a good way. Well done. <laughs> LeBron James. Great human being. Great human being. Leader in the African-American community. His wife, Savannah. <laughs> His mother, Gloria. Bronny. Like, name. Bronny. Bronny. Going to make it to uh, the league. Bryce. Bryce. Might be even better. Not even. He doesn't even give you. The yeah. funny thing is, <laughs> he, even, doesn't even, he doesn't even give you, like, validations of those. St. Vincent, St. Mary. Just details. Yeah. Just details. Just to show I know. I know the family. I know. Like, like Dwayne Wade and his lovely wife, Gabby Union. Like, just, just to show that, like, he knows, like, oh, he knows the, both of them. Yeah, he throws in little details, like, hey, he's my guy. It's like if you were posting on Twitter about J. Cole and you're like, my guy J. Cole out here with a new album. And it's like, you're, you're projecting to the world that you know J. Cole, that he's your guy. No, no, yeah, yeah. Stephen A. Smith. Absolutely. LeBron James. His lovely wife, Savannah. Savannah, like some sort of some sort of like nickname that he has for Savannah. That only oh, yeah. people who know Savannah call her that. Signaling the two NBA teams that do not have a COVID uh, or not in COVID protocols at this point. I mean, we'll we'll end this on a Tom's trivia. Two NBA teams that do not have a player as of this taping in COVID protocols. Let me take a look at the NBA standings. That's how I usually like to do this. Utah, correct. Phoenix just got someone after Christmas, so Phoenix was on that list. But Detroit? No, they got a bunch. I'm trying to think of teams that I don't pay attention to. <laughs> they got five players, including Cade Cunningham, since uh, the 22nd. So Detroit. Now, this one's tricky. I'm going to say players. Players, not in health and safety protocols. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's, I'm thinking about who the coaches that just got lumped in. Mm, getting warmer. Is it Lakers? No. Kings? He's back. He's back. Oh, he had a great rant. Oh, did he? Alvin? Oh, yeah. He said it was ridiculous and the most disappointing performance that he's been involved with in his 34 years in the league. <laughs> Wait, being, being Get these guys out of here. Tra trade everybody is what he's saying. Oh, he's talking about the team or he's talking about the COVID protocol? No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about uh, Alvin Gentry after the loss uh, two nights ago. He went oh. on a rant about how it was the worst – most disappointing performance he's ever been involved with in nice. his 34 years in the league. That the Kings just blew it. They got blown out by the Grizzlies in the second half. Dude, I, I give up. I don't, I don't know who the other team is. The other team is uh, Indiana. Rick Carlisle out of the protocols. The Joe Burrow theory. There's nothing to do. <laughs> That's why we don't have COVID. Salt Lake and Indianapolis. Two future all-star sites. Thanks a lot, Adam. <laughs> All right, we covered a lot of ground there on COVID stuff. Uh, be safe on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, all that fun stuff. Enjoy it. We'll be back next week. Bye.